Welcome to the PSD Cast with your host, Jason Lumberg at Power Systems Design. Now, a $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill just passed, with President Biden calling it a once-in-a-generation bipartisan infrastructure bill that will create millions of jobs, turn the climate crisis into an opportunity, and put us on a path to win the economic competition for the 21st century. And while we won't discuss the political aspects, multiple billions were allotted for renewable energy products, research, and infrastructure, including $7.5 billion for a nationwide network of EV charging stations, $5 billion to purchase electric school buses and hybrids, $8 billion for, for four clean energy hubs, $225 million grant programs to update building energy codes, and a lot more. Today, we'll be discussing the built impact on small businesses and renewable energy in general. And on the line, we've got Ben Johnson, the COO of Capitus, which offers business loan financing. So, Ben, welcome to the show. And in general, how do renewable energy mandates usually affect small businesses? Sure. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, so let's start with what the mandates are and who they affect. So. 30 states plus Washington, D.C. have active renewable or clean energy production requirements for utility companies. So these mandates are very state-specific and impact over half of the country. Uh, Looking at the four largest states gives you a sense of the wide degree of variation uh, between these state mandates. Um, Looking at California first, the biggest state. Uh, it's also probably the most aggressive uh, in its mandates across the board. So California mandates that utilities must generate 60% of clean energy by 2030 and 100% by 2045. Uh, in addition, uh, they also mandate that newly built single-family and multifamily homes must include solar power generation. Uh, and Uh, The California Energy Commission recently voted to require buildings to include solar power and battery storage in new commercial structures and high-rise residential projects. So California, it's it's really the leader in state mandates uh, for renewable energies. Uh, Then you look at a state like New York, um, you know, one of the top four largest states, its mandate is that 70% of utility energy must come from renewables by 2030 and 100% by 2040, uh, but no mandate on solar homes. Um, the sun doesn't shine quite as brightly in New York as it does in California. Uh, but then you look at a state like Texas, you know, also a huge state, uh, a much smaller mandate Uh, They require only that 10,000 megawatts of power come from renewables by 2025. And frankly, they've already achieved that goal. Uh, And and then if you add in Florida, you know, the fourth biggest state, um, there's really no mandate at all. Uh, And so and then looking at the federal government, well, the federal government does have a mandate that at least 7.5 percent of the electric uh, the electricity that the government uses uh, come from renewable energy, um, it already exceeds that today, and, and that's been in place for a long time. Um, but then just thinking about outside of utility mandates, um, looking at what the president has done since he's taken office, 
President Biden recently signed an executive order stating a goal that 50% of all new vehicles sold in the U.S. Uh, should be electric by 2030. Um, now, in order to achieve that, this is really going to require the build-out of charging stations across the country and tax credits for consumers. Uh, President Biden also recently reinstated much of the tailpipe emissions regulations uh, that were enacted by Obama in 2012, uh, but then loosened by, tr by Trump in 2020. Um, so I guess the question is, what does this mean for small businesses? Uh, with clean energy mandates, small businesses are obviously impacted by the geography in which they operate. Um, those in areas with more aggressive mandates uh, they're going to pay higher prices for utilities in the short run as investments in renewables are made and cheaper uh, fossil fuel use is limited, which should you know, potentially increase prices uh, higher than they, they would have otherwise been. Uh, but we believe that over time, um, you know, it can be expected that these businesses will see lower energy costs as renewables become more price competitive uh, than fossil fuels. And then when you think about tailpipe emissions regulations, uh, transportation costs uh, may be more expensive in the short run as a number of investments are being made in better vehicles uh, and fleets are upgraded and things like that. But over time, we expect that fuel costs should come down significantly, which will ultimately benefit um, small businesses and the American economy in general. Okay. Well, um Again, in general, I, I was wondering if you could delve a little bit deeper into how these mandates can uh, benefit small businesses, or, or is it just something that they will need to comply with? Is, is it mainly the energy, maybe the long-term energy savings, or is there any more? Sure, sure. So we, you know, at Capitus, we lend to businesses across a wide range of, energy, uh, of industries. Uh, and so, you know, looking at this, we've identified three big industry classifications um, that we think will really benefit from a, a lot of the changes in regulations uh, and improvement in energy efficiency over time. Uh, the, the first one is construction. Construction is our largest industry group. Contractors represent about 25% of small businesses in the capitalist portfolio. Uh, and, and contractors are benefiting from these mandates, especially the residential and commercial solar mandates in California. Um, many homeowners are really starting to see the economic benefits of installing solar, um, plus the mandates are requiring them for new homes uh, being built. And so demand for skilled contractors in California is sky high. Builders, electricians, roofers, you know, they're all really uh, highly in demand uh, right now, and with the continued uh, conversion over in the coming years uh, toward more and more solar in California, we expect that demand to continue to stay high, um, and that coupled with the overall strong housing demand across the country you know, is really a boon for, for contractors as we see it. Uh, then looking at the manufacturing industry. So manufacturers are also benefiting uh, as money is really pouring into the green technology space to support both R&D and production. So President Biden's infrastructure bill 
uh, interestingly, specifically encourages domestic production of materials for the bill's projects. And it, off it also offers money uh, to finance domestic manufacturing. So, um, and with so many supply chain disruptions occurring overseas right now, you know, domestic manufacturers are poised to benefit even more from all of the spending. Uh, and domestically sourced goods are being seen as more reliable in general. And so we think that those are all really strong trends for domestic manufacturing. Um, and then, you know, the third category that we're, we're excited about is trucking and logistics. Uh, trucking and logistics companies are going to benefit in the long run as energy efficient technologies reduce fuel costs uh, and also allow trucks to operate longer on the road uh, without heavy maintenance. And so some of the investment in EV charging, um, but also investment in the development of, of um, better technologies uh, you know, across the EV sector um, are, you know, poised to sort of revolutionize uh, how we deliver goods um, through the trucking and logistics space. Interesting. So let's jump into the infrastructure bill itself. Uh, you know, of all the renewable energy disbursements, you, you heard me mention um, a handful of them in the intro. Which do you feel will help the business community mo the most and why? Sure, sure. So looking at the key renewable energy provisions in the bill, um, you know, let, let, let's start with the biggest one, $65 billion to upgrade grid and transmission infrastructure. Um, that's designed to improve system resili resiliency uh, and facilitate the expansion of renewables and clean energy. Uh, so this is going to present a lot of contracting work uh, for construction companies. Uh, and ultimately, it will help bring down the cost of energy for everyone over time and, and certainly for small businesses. Um, and then looking at $7.5 billion to build out the na uh, national electric vehicle charging infrastructure. Um, you know, that obviously drives efficiency and lower fuel costs uh, in the transportation industry. Uh, it's also critical to achieving President Biden's goal of 50% uh, electric vehicles uh, sold by 2030, uh, new, uh, new vehicles being sold by 2030. Uh, then uh, looking at, the, so they've allocated $6 billion for battery storage, manufacturing, uh, and improvements. So that includes $3 billion to build uh, battery uh, manufacturing and recycling capacity in the U.S. Um, so, you know, that's money going directly into the manufacturing sector um, to uh, build manufacturing centers in the United States that will um, help shorten the supply chain, but also provide a lot of new manufacturing jobs uh, to support um, you know, the, the build out of, uh, of the work in this bill. So we look at that as, you know, very positive. Uh, and then $500 million for uh, efficiency building in public schools. Um, that'll obviously benefit construction and manufacturing jobs. Uh, $150 million uh, to boost energy efficiency in manufacturing and industrial facilities. So that's money to help manufacturing facilities retool. Uh, and then $2.5 billion for carbon sequestration projects. Um, 
you know, also w- would likely benefit the uh, manufacturing and construction industries. So a lot of, a lot of good things in the bill um, that should drive American jobs and American efficiency. Uh, one other thing is the bill also offers tax credits. So there's a 30% investment tax credit to manufacturers who retool, uh, expand, or build new facilities that make energy-related products. Hmm. Uh, well, and same question, but which disbursement will hurt businesses the most? Or, or probably a better question is which disbursement will present businesses with the uh, biggest challenges? Yeah, so, you know, it's hard – I'm not sure that I see a specific specific initiative that will ultimately hurt small businesses. Um, what I do see, though, is the potential for disruption in several important industries uh, as a result of the continued adoption, you know, specifically here uh, of electric vehicles. Um, so, you know, interestingly, auto repair is another important industry for us. Uh, and given the shortage of, uh, you know, disruptions in the, in the supply chain, which has resulted in the shortages of new cars being able to be produced, um, plus, you know, very high demand uh, throughout the, the COVID era, um, we've, really, we've really seen um, great performance in the auto repair world as people are driving used cars for longer. Um, but you know, it's interesting to think about what is going to happen to auto repair um, potentially as the American vehicle fleet switches over to electric vehicles. Now, because electric vehicles have fewer parts and require less maintenance to operate, um, if electric vehicles are widely adopted, your local mechanics business might ultimately suffer. Um, we, We just may not need the auto repair infrastructure that we have today. Certainly, you'll still need repair, but maybe not to the same extent. Um, and then, you know, the trucking and logistics industry as well, um, specifically trucking. If autonomous trucking technology is more easily adopted once trucks become electric, and it seems like those two conversations, while not completely the same, often happen in the same breath, um, well, this could have a huge impact on truck drivers and small trucking companies. Uh, in an autonomous driving world, large trucking and logistics companies with strong credit ratings and access to low-cost capital, they're going to have a big advantage over small players because they'll be the ones that can easily retool their fleets um, and also um, pool their resources to develop um, you know, long-haul trucking systems and things like that that you know, may operate without, without the need of drivers. And a lot of small trucking companies are really owner-driver based. And so that disruption, you know, could, could have a really negative impact on, that, uh, on the small end of that industry. Yeah, for sure. And now, be- before I let you go, Ben, how will uh, Capitus be helping businesses comply and otherwise abide and deal with the implications of the bill? Sure. So we work closely with our customers to assess each opportunity that they're looking to finance uh, and help them choose the right financing product for the situation that they're in. Um, To the extent that they see opportunity 
uh, in any of the uh, the pieces of the bill um, that that they are looking to build a business around, we're absolutely going to help them assess and, and finance that opportunity. You know, but I will say that we serve a very broad um, group of customers, and so we are by no ways deep experts in exactly what um, makes their specific business unique and profitable. And so it's, it, it's tough for us to go in and kind of guide businesses to what they should be doing. Um, what we like to do is be very familiar with, with the opportunities at hand so that when they bring us an opportunity, we can really help them think through it and make sure that they have the financing they need uh, in order to be successful. Of course. Well, thanks, Ben. On behalf of PSD, I want to thank you for your time. And to our audience, thanks for tuning in. Stay safe and healthy, and have a great day.